You were listening to episode 48 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a talk on Zone 2 training for runners. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I'm your host, Nicholas. This episode features a talk on Zone 2 training. I'm here to shed some light on a topic that gets a lot of publicity in the running space. I will be delving into what Zone 2 training is and why it is important, how to determine your Zone 2, how to incorporate Zone 2 into your training, and finally, I will briefly talk about the cardiac drift, or also known as the cardiovascular drift. Now, you might be asking why talk about Zone 2 training? Why can't running just be one foot in front of the other? Well, runners, Zone 2 training plus a little bit of patience can skyrocket your performance in the running space. It is something that a lot of runners fail to abide by but could drastically both increase their consistency and fitness if they had a little bit more intensity control and a little more Zone 2 in their training. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, let me give you a quick rundown. This show is your go-to source for in-depth training analysis, valuable training tips, unbiased and reliable physiology and science, and so much more. Whether you're a beginner runner taking your first rides or an experienced runner aiming for new heights, the Sunday Shakeout provides you with the information you need to run faster, stay injury-free, and most importantly, stay happy on your running journey. So, let's ice up those shoes, hit the road, and dive into the world of Zone 2, because it is not just run slow and run faster. It is much more than that. So, without further ado, please enjoy my guide to Zone 2 training for runners. Alright, so let's get into this talk on Zone 2 training. Obviously, it has been the buzzword in the running community. If you have ever been done any research online about running and how to get better at running, likely you have stumbled across Zone 2 training, run slow to run faster, all this stuff. You know, people define it and label it as all these different things. But from all of the research that I have done, um, particularly from hearing interviews from guys like Inigo San Milan, who is like considered like the godfather of Zone 2 training, and he's also like the the coach of Tade Pogacar, who is the um, who came up just short of victory at the Tour de France this past July. But the point is, I've done a lot of research from like experts in the running space and and the endurance sports space, and from all the research I have compiled, it's very simple it's fat burning like very simply um fat oxidation and we're gonna get more technical here but i'm not talking about burning fat to get really ripped or to get chiseled chiseled abs or get ridiculously lean i'm talking about fat oxidation in terms of energy efficiency because fat oxidation is crucial in training for running and cycling Um, essentially zone true training stimulates your type 1 muscle fibers because there are two main types of muscle fibers, type 1 and type 2, and then we could break that down further into type 2A and type 2B. But type 1 muscle fibers um, have a high mitochondrial density, and because of that, they are adept as to using fat for energy. And so if we can stimulate our type 1 muscle fibers by doing zone 2 training, then these type 1 muscle fibers will get a lot more mitochondrial growth and fat oxidation, which is really key. Because learning how to use fat as our main fuel source instead of carbohydrates allows us to conserve energy, 
which is a huge competitive advantage, especially in long races like the marathon, the half marathon, um, and then also in even longer races like the ultra marathon. Um, because our body has two main energy sources when we are running, fat and carbohydrates. When we are running at lower intensities, meaning zone 2, we mainly leverage fat as fuel with minor contributions from carbohydrates. And essentially, you can run all day on your fat stores. Our fat stores burn very slowly. It's great for a long-term energy. It's our body's most abundant energy source. But So that's great for low intensity. That's great for zone 2. But at higher exercise intensities, there becomes more of a transition to being able to contribute more carbohydrates as energy instead of fats and so the thing about carbohydrates is we burn up our carbohydrates a lot faster than vets very simply uh as runners we only have enough glycogen in our bodies to last us about an hour 40 to an hour 50 minutes so improving our fat metabolism essentially enhances the ability to en endure extended runs and boost our overall energy efficiency that way you are relying less on glucose for energy and you could just go longer so that's really key not only that but zone 2 really does lay a foundation of base fitness and that way you can utilize it and with other and higher intensity workouts and ultimately you will race faster and there's also this big concept that zone 2 helps out with this concept called injury prevention i don't know if you've ever heard of that but um, yes, zone two really does help with injury prevention because so many runners, including myself, we overcook ourselves on easy days. And so training properly with zone two and by zone two will re reduce your risk for injury because the mechanical stress on your body will significantly decrease if you train at zone two. So that is really key. And if you can stay injury free by training at zone two, then your consistency will be much better and you will be much, um, much more easy it'll be much easier to find consistency in your running if you train at zone two so zone two is key now to optimize the utilization of fat for energy and fat as fuel the key is to maintain a specific heart rate range to optimize it now i'm not talking about wrist heart rate here if you have listened to my episode on heart rate training then you know that your wrist heart rate is very unreliable that thing bounces about way too much it gets inaccurate readings and you know it's just not reliable at all so if you are going by heart rate training which i highly recommend you should you should really pick up a chest heart rate strap and yes i know they can be pretty expensive like mine was like 120 dollars my garmin heart rate strap but it is really really worth it but um if you do pick up the heart rate strap ideally you perform a lactate threshold test now you know there's different tests you can do but if you are doing the lactate threshold test which is which is the most simple one um yeah do it at, do it at a track essentially we talked about it in the heart rate episode and in the threshold episode but essentially you want to do a 30 minute time trial um run all out at 10 minutes you click the lap the, the, the lap button on your watch and then for the final 20 minutes of your run you record the max heart rate and the average heart rate um and that is your lactate threshold heart rate um, and there's a zone there, but essentially once you figure out your lactate threshold heart rate, you can basically figure out all your zones from there. And so that can be really helpful. Another thing that you can do is if you have the money, you can go to your lab at your local university or something like that. Um, and you could really get a big lab test and getting a lab test. I've never gotten one, but it's probably pretty worth it. Essentially, you're running on a treadmill with a physiologist like right near you. And this can really, these lab tests can really help you determine your fat oxidation rate pretty accurately. Um, and your current fat oxidation levels set a baseline for improvement. So that is, can be really, really key. And let's say you don't have access to a lab or a, nor a heart rate strap. 
you can still use rate of perceived exertion, meaning RPE. Um, the thing about RPE, though, is that a lot of runners, we lie to ourselves, like, um, and I don't mean that, like, you, we go to bed and we're like, ah, nah, bro, I ran, like, 40 miles today, and we really ran four, me, we, and we really ran four. I don't mean it like that. I mean, like, for example, if you had, like, a running coach, and you'd, like, come around the track, and you'd be, like, breathing pretty heavy, heavy and you stop the interval, your coach is like, ah, you seem to be working pretty hard there, but, like, nah, it was easy. And so, you know, it was actually pretty hard. And then when you ran another one, you come around and be like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done, coach. So what I really mean is that us runners really sometimes lie to ourselves about our effort. We think something's easy when in reality it's a lot harder than it is. And that is why using RPE can be really, really unreliable. The key is you really just have to throw your ego out the window. And if you are using RPE, there are some guidelines that you can use to figure out if you are in the correct intensity and you are using zone 2. Um, there are two concepts that I like. I like the concept of nasal breathing, uh, meaning that you can consistently and comfortably breathe through your nose. If you can consistently and comfortably breathe through your nose, then you are likely working in zone 2. The second one is the idea of working at a conversational pace, meaning that if you can hold a conversation while you are running, um, then you are likely working in zone two. Imagine yourself like talking on a phone and you, you'll be able to hold the phone conversation, but on the other side, maybe there's a slight bit of strain, but not a lot. Because if there's if there's no strain at all, meaning you're able to talk for full full paragraphs with no strain at all, you're likely working a little too easy, meaning you're not optimizing fat oxidation. But if you're talking like on a full phone conversation, you're just having a little bit of strain, but you're able to carry out the conversation, that is likely zone two. But most people are working too hard during their runs that are supposed to be easy, so I would just say slower is better in terms of like zone 2. I'm not talking about jogging, but you know, we want to be working pretty easy during our zone 2 runs. That is really going to help maximize fat oxidation. It's not a walk in the park, but it's also not supposed to be like all out. It's not supposed to be zone 3 because most of us are working too hard during, it, too hard during our easing runs and overcooking ourselves. So that's RPE. Again, it's pretty complicated, like what I just said there. So I would really recommend getting a heart rate strap and either going to the lab or going to the track and getting a lactate threshold test. And that can be really key. But once you have everything gathered, it's time to get to work. And the key with zone two is it takes a lot of patience. If you were a newer runner or if you're just completely new to zone two in general, you may have to even do just some run walk sessions just to stay in zone two for the first few weeks because zone two can be really, really hard to abide by because you might not even have a zone two. And what I mean by that is if you're doing a lab test on the treadmill, the physiologist might come back and say, hey, you know, you don't even have a point in which like there is minimal carbohydrate burning, like you are burning mostly carbohydrates basically the entire time you were running no matter the pace and if that's the case yeah you might have to do some like jog walk for like a long time maybe like two to two to four weeks until you're ab actually able to run a little bit without straining or sorry without going above zone two so yeah you really have to take have a lot of patience there you have to really take the, the long view but if you are patient over a long period of time zone two will pay off and you will get better I remember when I used to train by zone 2 a lot more than I do now, I started like my long runs uh, for a training cycle, I was running probably like 9.05 per mile, just to stay in zone 2, and 9.05 per mile is pretty slow for me, but then once I got to like maybe like week 6 of my long run training, I was able to run like maybe 5 beats slower at like 8 minute pace, and you're still working in zone 2. So zone 2 can really really pay off, it'll really like it can completely transform how you train 
and so just keep that in mind and just have a lot of patience but um yeah now Inigo San Milan I mentioned him earlier I'm probably pronouncing that wrong but he the big man himself talks about how um, the recommended training frequency for zone 2 is between about three to four days per week for zone 2 Ideally, you want to be hitting four days per week as the more consistently you'll be able to train in zone 2 Then the more adaptation you will get But yeah, so just try to hit four days of zone 2 training per week and during these four sessions per week Ideally, you're hitting 45 minutes in the zone 2 heart rate range the key is you really want to start at a slow pace and gradually increase during the run. So many runners go out of the gate of their runs too fast and then they end up like just like completely going outside of their heart rate zones. So really start slow in your zone 2 runs and that'll be able to really impact the ability, your ability to endure and go long during that runs, those runs and not get tired. Trust me, I've done this before and if you go out too fast in your zone 2 runs, it's not going to be a fun time after like 10 minutes into the run, even like 5 minutes. So start slow and the goal is to spend a significant portion of the run in your desired heart rate zone for optimal fat oxidation and mitochondrial growth. But if you are completely new to zone training, 45 minutes might be even a little too much for you. You know, like if you're like a completely new runner, if you've been only running for maybe even like a year, you might want to start with shorter sessions, as little as 20 to 30 minutes at zone 2, and gradually increase over time as your fitness improves. Um, because once you can, like, if you can just start slow, because if, if you're getting 45 minutes zone 2 runs, but you're getting injured doing that, it's not worth it at all. It's better that, to be consistent doing 20 to 30 minute runs, and hopefully someday work your way up to 45 minutes, 60 minutes, and even 90 minutes if you can. But overall progression is really key. Now, if it is really harsh conditions, you might want to do your zone 2 indoors on a treadmill. Because if you're dealing with wind, rain, snow, changing terrain, all of that stuff, you might have your heart rate skyrocketed before you even get to the end of the block. So, it makes it super hard to maintain your intensity in zone 2. And if that's the case, you may want to go indoors on a treadmill for your zone 2. And that way you're just not straining it at all. Uh, but yeah, the key takeaway is that you should be working in zone 2 for 45 minutes or more at least four times per week um, to optimize fat oxidation and mitochondrial function or mitochondrial growth but if you are running like 30 to 40 miles per week or less then you may want to reduce your 45 minute sessions to maybe 30 minutes or less uh, but just keep that in mind like that you really like take all my stuff like you the point of this podcast is to give you guys the information um that you guys need to succeed but you guys, I'm only giving you the information and the uh, maybe some guidelines. You guys need to create the roadmap for yourselves. You guys need to create, need to create the training plans and the, the plans overall that you need to succeed and personalize everything for your own personal uh, needs and like differences. So, you know, take all that my stuff that you need or take all the stuff that I provide you with a, with a grain of salt and provide it in ways or you utilize it in ways that will help you as an individual and in uh quantities that will help you as an individual so just keep that in mind now let's say that i was dividing um like creating a training schedule for you like let's say i opened the training business like a business that created training plans which i might someday but let's say i did that and i had an example training week i might ha have you do threshold on monday so let's just say i had you do eight by k at threshold um you know lt2 let's say anaerobic threshold um tuesday i'll do you'll i'll have you do 45 minutes in zone two wednesday i'll have you do 200 meter hills at like 3k pace uh, or 3k effort because it's on a hill um 
Thursday, I'll have you do 45 minutes of zone two, Friday, the same thing, and then Saturday, your long run. That would be a pretty good schedule. Now, I kind of want to talk about the long run a little bit here. My take on the long run is that you shouldn't be jogging the whole time. Otherwise, you might as well just split your 90-minute long run up into two 45-minute runs. Instead, we want to have a natural, organic pickup at the end of the long run, and I think that is really key. If you are building the distance of your long run, that is different. If you're building the distance, we want to keep it easy, that way you can finish the long run. But if you are just, like, trying to get in some fitness from the long run, you know, we shouldn't be jogging the whole time. We need to be building the fitness a little bit. So let's say you have a 90-minute long run. Maybe the first 45 minutes of the long run, you're in zone two, you know, so you got your 45 minutes for the day of zone two. Woohoo! Uh, sorry, voice cracked there. I'm in puberty. Um, but then the last 40 minutes of the 90 minute long run, let's say you have a little bit of pickup. That would be really, really good if you had that little pickup at the end. The organic little pickup at the end is really going to help build some extra fitness. It's going to add some variety, and it's going to get the legs moving a little bit. Because as Jay Johnson once said, uh, a brilliant he's a brilliant coach and a mastermind in the running community. As he once said, LSD, meaning long, slow distance, LSD is dead. So we don't want to be doing long, slow distance. That is just going to chop your stride up. That is going to really hurt your running economy over time. It's going to make you a, a one-pace runner, um, which we will talk about briefly here. But we want to be adding a little bit of an organic pickup on the end of it, and that is really going to help build some extra fitness and also just keep it so your stride is not getting chopped up all the time. Because if you're jogging all the time, then that'll just become your new norm, and we don't want that. So, you know, that is an example schedule I would follow. Monday threshold, Tuesday zone 2, Wednesday uh, hills, Thursday zone 2, Friday zone 2, Saturday long run. I really like that schedule. It really optimizes fat, fat oxidation at zone 2, and it also helps with injury prevention. But notice that the whole week isn't all zone 2, and that is really key. Like I just mentioned, we shouldn't be jogging all the time. Otherwise, like I said, we will just become one pace runners, stuck in first gear. So while we do want to be doing zone 2, we also want to be working on other aspects of our fitness like threshold, VO2, running economy, race specific fitness, and all of that other stuff. If we can work on all of the other aspects of our fitness curve and we have a well-rounded training program, then we will be much better runners. And that is really key because if you're just, otherwise we might as well be just hobby joggers, but we want to be running faster and therefore we got to be working at fast paces as well as zone 2. So that is really key. Now, to conclude this episode, I want to briefly, briefly talk about a topic that many runners who have tried Zone 2 before have struggled with, and that is the cardiovascular drift. I'm just going to call it the cardiac drift, but the, the goal of Zone 2, essentially, is to keep your heart rate within a specific range, but a lot of the times, runners struggle with maintaining their heart rate in that specific range. Despite their efforts, their heart rate tends to rise unexpectedly, and that can be pretty frustrating. And, you know, what I said, it, you know, it's the cardiac drift. Essentially, there becomes a gradual increase in average heart rate during a run, even when the pace and the effort remains constant. Now, there are many different factors that could contribute this, to this happening to you. The first is dehydration. That's a big factor. Running without adequate hydration can lead to a decrease in blood plasma volume, resulting in higher heart rate. And so essentially, the body increases heart rate and breathing to maintain oxygen distribution. So that can be pretty frustrating. The second is heat and humidity. Often hot and humid conditions can definitely cause the heart rate to drift. Um, and due to the fact that core temperature increases due to the heat and the heart, heart must work harder to cool the body, increasing blood flow. Um, I know one of the guys that 
has really talked about this before, Steven Scullion, he's talked about how in, like, hotter marathons before, sometimes it's hard, it works in, like, the range of, like, 165, 170, but sometimes it moves up to, like, 175 just because of his, like, heart rate and the heat and humidity, so just keep that in mind, sometimes heat and humidity can commit, um, contribute to the cardiac drift, and the third thing is the lack of aerobic conditioning. The, it's it's might be as pretty simple as just you're not that fit you might find that when you start to wear the heart rate strap your heart rate drifts 10 to 15 beats over the course of the run but as you get fitter and more experienced and more aerobically conditioned your heart rate will drift less and so it's just experience it's just fitness and if you can get fitter over time if you can work on that zone too then you will have less of a cardiac drift and yeah, that is really just a big thing. You have to have patience here during training. You have to have zone two patience and you have to slow down when the heart rate gets too high, even if it seems too, super tedious. And perhaps if that's still happening to you, maybe work on your pacing and hydration. But also if your heart rate's super high, the other thing you can do is just take it with a grain of salt because we shouldn't be watching our heart rate constantly during the entire run. We should not be a slave to the numbers. We should be listening to our bodies because that is what the elite athletes do. Perceived exertion, breathing patterns, and other sensations play a crucial role in how we should be um, running. And those three things, as well as heart rate, should be dictating our runs, not just heart rate. Um, and so developing self-awareness and tuning in to your body can be really key. So don't stress too much. But look, zone two training is really key. I think that you can really start to incorporate it into your training. Go on Amazon, buy a Garmin heart rate strap, go to lab, go to your local track to determine your zone two. Start to incorporate zone two in your training three to four, three times per week, and then increase that to like four to five, um, 45 minute sessions per week. Well, at the same time, again, we want to be mixing other things into our training schedule, not just zone two. So work on our threshold, hills, field two max, running economy, race specific fitness, do our long runs. And that could be all really key in our moving our fitness forward. Uh, but yeah, just have some patience with zone two. But once you start to get into the groove, groove with zone two, you'll find that your consistency in training will greatly improve. And look, you know, some people don't enjoy zone two training. Like they don't get a lot of adaptation from it. One of those guys that like doesn't get good adaptation from zone two training is Steven Scullion. He's been very vocal about how like he's a 209 marathoner and Olympian. He's very vocal about the training that suits best for him is the training where he is running hard every day. And I'm not talking about how he's maxing every day, but the days where he needs an easy recovery day, he's running steady. He's not running easy. He's not running zone two. And for him, those are the, that, that's the type of training that works best for him. What I'm saying here is that there's different types of training that works for different types of people. Uh, different types of runners different types of athletes and so zone two it works for most everybody uh, that's what i'm saying but there may be even methods that work even better for you so just keep that in mind and start to experiment with different training methods zone two though it's something that's universal and i think everybody could benefit from so that's all i got thank you for listening to episode what is this like 48 of the sunday shakeout we're getting pretty far not gonna lie um we're or we're cooking up the sunday shakeout like I'm starting to gain, gain some, like, ground here, like, come on, like, we're, we're gonna be close to 50 soon, like, that's gonna be crazy, but, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening in, I think I pretty, I summed it up pretty well, like, a, a minute ago, or whatever, I, I, I talked about Zone 2, like, I concluded it, fun, but, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed everything, and, um, if you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following or subscribing to this podcast on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, 
I also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcasts. Yeah, all that good fun. If you have any questions regarding anything running, you can feel to re- reach out to me at thesundayshakeout at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. But, yeah, episode 48, big deal. That's pretty crazy, you know? I think that um, I'm pretty proud of everything this podcast has achieved so far. Obviously, we're not done. We're not done. We're like... We've, we've only began this journey, but I'm pretty proud with where we are so far. We're at 75 followers on Spotify. Um, what else? Just just a host of other things. Like, you know, 4.8 stars on Spotify, you know, 5 stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just want to thank you all so much for the, all the support. Everything you guys do to keep the lights on week after week, this is dream come true. Um, just, you know, I have not reached out to my cross-country coach, but... Um, it would be great if I could get him on the podcast, you know, that would be a good thing, so, look, stay tuned, and also, like, my senior teammate, I'm a freshman in high school, so, my senior teammate, Jack Hensky, um, you can look him up, he's committed to, uh, um, Notre Dame, yes, Notre Dame, that's where, he, he, Fighting Irish, yes, but, um, yeah, so he's committed to Notre Dame, so I might try to get him on the podcast, too, he can give me some insights, and, you know, what he does, you know, or not what he does, I know what he does, but just, like, you know, like, some, like, tips and tricks, maybe, some, just, like, talking about his experiences, and that would be pretty cool, get some other guests on the podcast, because, you know, why not, you know, guests are cool, it's not just all about me, it's all about you guys, too, and it's all about, you know, getting, get a whole bunch of different perspectives on this podcast, so that is really key, but yeah, we got a whole bunch of different topics lined up for you guys. We're going to talk about, um, and not in a particular order, but we're probably going to talk about overtraining a little more. We're pr- probably going to talk about training through injuries, some prehab stuff, periodization, running economy, variety periodization, psychology tips, yoga, strength training, periodization, stability training, strength versus power, neuromuscular versus aerobic runners. We got a whole bunch of stuff lined up, so I'm pretty excited about what's next, but yeah. Anyway, oh, oh, also, like, we're going to be talking about training for different race distances, whether that's, like, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and maybe we'll just make a full video or a full episode on just combining all the distances, and, yeah, and also, we'll be doing a season review for me. Anyway, I'm probably rambling on here, so just have a great day, have a good weekend, and peace out this Sunday shakeout.